0: Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all well. It was amazing, yesterday it was like we were on a different planet. You know, it's November, it's 1920. You know, I was down in London, I'm thinking, I'm in my short sleeves, I like this. But am I in London or am I in Barcelona? Because that's what the temperature would be. It's wonderful, isn't it? Well, we're here this morning and it's my privilege and pleasure to just share with you the word. We pray that Chris gets well soon and, you know, he, he texts me in the week, Dan, Dan, could you preach on Sunday? I said, well, of course, it's not a problem, it's not a problem, so I'm glad to be here. And he said to me, freestyle, you know, so I just, you know, which basically, not that kind of, <laughs> we'll do some of that later. <laughs> but I, I, we're going to have some fun this morning, but we're also, I believe God's going to challenge us this morning. So... Let's just get into this now. In fact, I'm going to pray. Father, we want to bless you and praise you for the honor and privilege of sharing your word. And we pray as your people this morning that your spirit will come upon us, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will release us and empower us to be and do all that you've called us to be and do as your people. We ask you that you will cause our faith to rise and you will help us, Lord, to address those things in our lives that hinder us. From entering in and stepping into all that you've called us to be. So help me, Lord, by your spirit this morning. Help us all this morning to hear what the Spirit has to say to us and give us the courage to respond in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, you know what? God, our Heavenly Father, has great plans for all of us. Ephesians 2:10 tells us this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The fact is this, that if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you are not in this place by accident. God has something for you to do. The goal of your life is to find out what it is and then do it with all your might, with all your strength, so that when you stand before him... He will be able to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You fulfilled your potential. Now then, it's interesting. For, because what activates us moving into that is simple, faith. And I remember what Chris Lane said to us. Chris. He said that we only need faith when we are moving into things. You don't need faith to be passive. It's, your faith is only active or activated when you are active. When you are having to move towards something. Sometimes we say to people, oh in fact, I'll, I'll give you the quote. A lady called Nancy Dornan said this, Success is not where comfort lives. Yeah, I can hear the word. Mm. Yeah, bless Success is not where comfort lives. In other words, anything that you want that's not within your comfort zone, that means that you have to advance, you have to step out of it. To step out of your comfort zone, you need faith. Whether you are in the academic community and you feel that you need another qualification... You have to, by faith, invest the time and the money hoping and praying that when you get the qualification, the MBA or whatever it is, it's going to open doors for you. But you've got to step out of your comfort zone. I spend quite a great deal of my time teaching other people to teach. Or I'll go down and talk to guys about internal verification or whatever it is. And invariably, these people are quite, in the place I went to, the guy was quite wealthy, but he has to learn to do or to write assignments. Now, does he really need to write assignments? The guy picked me up in the biggest murk I've ever been in. You know, he, he has houses all over the city. He is comfortable, but he has an amazing story. But if he wants to get the qualification, he has to step out of his comfort zone and learn how to reference. Harvard referencing. Yes? And citing and citation. And all I'm saying to you, folks, is that whatever it is God has for you is always outside of your comfort zone. And that's why you have to activate that by faith. Now, Hebrews 11.6 says this. And without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek him. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard movement of which we are part, he summed up faith in one word, risk, risk. You know, however, our culture encourages us to look for security and certainty, to do due diligence before we make any decision. In fact, it even encourages us to say, I need to see it first. I need to touch it, and then when I'm sure, I will do it. Well, that's a complete antithesis. That's a complete opposite to how God works. We're looking for certainty. What do people talk about? Well, I was talking to a lady who's a customer in my other business, and she says, after 11 years, I have the permanent contract. And I really wanted to say, really? You think because the job they've given you, a permanent contract, you are secure? because we're trained to do that. We're trained to look for security. But you see, if you stay within your comfort zone, if you look for security, you will never need faith. You will never be prepared to take risk. Today, we're going to identify, I think some of the lies that the enemy puts into our lives which undermines our ability to trust God and provides the conduit through which the enemy kills, steals, and destroys our ability to respond to him. And this is how he does it. He destroys our ability to believe that God's plans for us are good. He destroys our ability to take risks through fear of making a mistake. He destroys our ability to trust him with our lives because of disappointment and failure, to trust God with our lives because of disappointment and failure. This is what the enemy works on. The first one there, and even if you want a title for this message, this message is risk at work. Because if I said it was faith at work, you'd say, yeah, I know faith. But risk at work, you've got, I've got your attention. Because that's what it is. It's risk at work. We will allow risk to work It can release us to do the works that God has prepared for us. And friends, I have not seen the scripture tells us, neither ear heard the things that God has prepared for us. If you knew, if I knew what the end game was going to be concerning your life, I can tell you this, you wouldn't be as you are now. Some of you who are in consternation in terms of whether you will do what God is calling you to do or not, Or you are afraid of making a mistake. Or you have a basic problem that you don't actually deep down in your heart believe that God is good. tell you, God's plan is that you overcome those hurdles and you step into what God has for you. Because if we ever wise up to the power and the authority and the blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus, man, we would blow the roof off of this city as the people of God. Not just in this church, but the people of God. The enemy spends a great deal of time undermining the things that we talk about. I've just mentioned to you. So we're going to look at one of them, three of them now. Believing that God's plans for us are good. This is what the enemy likes to do. He likes to under, believe, undermine this idea that God is good, that his plans are for good. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for blessing and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Those that know your Bible, you know it well, <clears throat> will know that verse. Man, let me just tell you the context of the verse. Because you see, when you read that verse, what you need to recognize now is that the The southern kingdom has now gone into captivity. 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and his guys came down and took them off to Babylon. This is not Israel at the zenith of its powers. This is Israel in defeat and in captivity. So when Jeremiah speaks this word to them, it's in their darkest days. That's the context. And in the midst of all of that, under captivity in Babylon... Away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's been sacked. The temple has been sacked. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, if they had looked at their circumstances, they said, Yeah. Well, if these are the plans, how come we're here in, in, in Babylon, in a foreign land, and we're not worshiping you? But God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for blessing, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then he goes on to say, Pray for the peace of this city, because in your peace, there is peace. Chris said something I think was very significant in this sermon. He said, He said, Please don't judge God by what's going on in your circumstances. Don't judge God. Don't look at God through what's going on in your circumstances. Because that's what we do. We look at our circumstances and come to the conclusion, if the circumstances are poor, that God is not good. But that's not true. All right, let me take you back in time, if I could. Let's go to Genesis three one five. 5 Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild creatures the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You'll be like God got Satan into trouble because he wanted to be like God. Read really it in, I think it's our 14, and he got kicked out of heaven. So he presents the same thing to us. Now, some points here. The enemy casts doubt on God's word. Did God really say? So the enemy is questioning God's integrity. And then the enemy contradicts God's word. He says, You're not gonna die. And this is what he does. He moves Adam and Eve from being dependent on God, you will be like God, to being independent of God. You see, what happens, how it works for us is that God has said something to us and we look at the circumstances and on the basis of what we're seeing, we're now making judgments about whether what God has said to us is true or not. Hello? God has spoken to us. God speaks to Abraham and says, Your children, your seed are going to be like the stars in the sky or the sand on the sea. Nothing happens for a long time. In fact, if you read it there in Genesis 12, um, yes, Genesis, yes, patriarchal age, Genesis 11, the 12, right? God speaks to you, so I'm going to bless you. Anybody who curses you, I, I will curse them. And you're going to, it's a theocratic blessing. In other words, it's not up to him to, do, to, to fulfill the conditions. God's going to bless him irrespective. And if you read in verse 10 of that chapter, it says there was a famine in the land. And what does Abraham do after God gives him this wonderful blessing? He sees the famine, he goes down into Egypt and gets himself in a whole lot of trouble. So the reality is this, that Abraham did it. God spoke a word and he looked at his circumstances and instead of trusting what God had said, he went down into Egypt. We're no different. And of course, he was early in his journey of faith because by the time we get to Genesis 22 and God says, take your son and, and uh, sacrifice him, his faith is in a different place. So friends, don't be discouraged because we're all on this journey. So if at this moment in time, it's hard for you to believe God's goodness because of what's going on in your circumstances. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that will far outweigh them all. So look, friends, what's happening in your life, God is working in you. You see, Paul said this, through many tribulations, you must enter the kingdom of God. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial of your faith, Peter tells us. And we get surprised. We get <sighs> but God is actually working in us, and he's actually more concerned about what's going on in you than what's happening to you. When, I think it's about four years ago now, it would be four years ago, my job, I was dismissed from the job that I was in as a, te- a teacher, and I loved the job. It was painful. It was horrible. It was traumatic. It was a shock. It was not nice. But one of the things God said to me, and I was—and by the way, I'm glad that I did this in community. I, I was connected. Chris and Fliss in the team, they were around me. I remember Fliss giving me some sort of prophetic words. She didn't know nothing about what was going on. But it was trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. It was mm, mm, on the money. yeah. But the thing is this, that God spoke to me and he said, then, first, this turn of events are from me. Secondly, I'm more concerned about what I'm going to do in you than what's happening to you. I'm more concerned about what's happening in you than what's happening to you. God was working in me. And the key thing is I had to embrace it. Was it painful? It was painful. But you see, the result four or five years later, and the things that God caused me to do and to be in and to go through, and because I'm part of this community, and to use quoting Quellis Keller, he says, we will never know God and grow deeply apart from community. That's why the connect groups are important. So when you're going through stuff, you're not doing it on your own. You've got people who will pray with you, support you, encourage you, so that the goal, the stuff that God wants to put in you is processed in you as you work together with God and your brothers and sisters in connection, in community, so that God can take you to the next level. so, Paul tells us, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the circumstances, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, this too will pass. But what is unseen is eternal. What God works in your character, what God works in your heart, even if it opens the door to you Finding yourself doing things that you shouldn't do—it means that at least now you're in a place where God can begin to address those issues. So He uses the circumstances. Remember, sometimes I think it was John Winthrop said, "God offends the mind to reveal the spirit." In other words, what He's saying is that sometimes God allows things to come upon us, so what's in us, good or bad, comes out. Then we can, God can start that work of theological word sanctification. But usually it doesn't come out while we're cruising along on the crest of the wave. It comes out when things are going wrong and we're, ah, that's when it comes out. That's when we see size of you that we've not seen before. And it's okay, because we don't do shame here. You know, we spend a great deal of time trying to develop a community where it's safe for you to fail that you don't always have to look good all the time. You don't always have to look like you're a man of faith and power every hour of the day. <laughs> the truth is that sometimes we are not. Sometimes full, we are full of fear and angst and worry. And you can cry, or to use Jamaican c- c- vernacular, you can't bawl, but it's okay. <laughs> We're not going to get, but really, I mean, you're a leader. You should, be able to do, you should be doing better than that. I expect you to be a woman of faith and power and well. No, no, no. You're just flesh and blood like all of us, and we're going to hug you, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to encourage you, and we're going to stand with you because you do the same for us anyway. That's family. Hello? Amen. We need to fix... The eyes are our heart and what is not seen. Ephesians, that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you might know the greatness of his power towards us who believe. And what is the greatness of that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? You see, you, we need to know that in our hearts. So that we understand that what's happening outside of us is just the precursor to what God is doing in us. We need to be like Jesus. We need to reject the lies that the enemy will come to us with. That God isn't good. That the plans he hasn't for us are not good. Because look at your circumstances. Look what is happening in your life. If God is good, how can this be? But Jesus said, he rejected the lies of the enemy. When the enemy said, God says, you know, the enemy said, oh, turn the bread. You know, take the blocks into bread. He said, man, you not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to be like Jesus, reject the life and declare the truth about who we are. We are sons and daughters of the king. It says this, that we have been born from above, not below. That God gave us the power to become sons and daughters of God. Not born of the will of man or of blood, but you're born of God. You've been born from above. You know, 1 Peter says, this is, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You belong to God, and He's called you out of darkness into His marvellous light, that you might declare the excellency of Him called you. So, you God called you for a purpose. You're a partaker of the divine nature. His authority is on you. His anointing is on you. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, because of the work of the cross. That's who we are. And you see, one of the issues that we have in the church is what we I call it the identity crisis. Because people get their identity from the wrong place. And it's not entirely their fault. But, you know, what do you do? (laughs) Well, I'm a managing director, you know. Or what do you do? Well, I'm a doctor. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Or uh, I'm a... So somehow, because of what you do, you feel that's who you are. But that's not who you are. That's just what you do. Who am I? I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've been born from above. God's favor is upon me. I know that I'm gloriously and marvelously made and I'm getting to know this well. And it's the knowing it well which is the problem because we don't know it well. We don't think we're glorious and marvelously made. We think that we're a mistake. We think that that we look in the mirror and we think, oh, I wish I was more like this. No, 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 no. God, when he made you, he didn't make a mistake. You are gloriously, Psalm 139. 14 and 13 and you can look at verses 17 and 18 when you get a chance. And it's getting to know it well because we are so down on ourselves. We beat <laughs> ourselves up. In fact, we, God doesn't need to beat us up because we do it better. You know, We beat ourselves up. God's like, oh my goodness me. You know, I, I, just, I, I just leave him to it. <laughs> you, know, boof, boof. you know, we beat ourselves up. And God said, whoa, 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 You are gloriously and marvelously made. And you know, my thoughts towards you are great and many. As the sands on the shore, so are my thoughts towards you. Great are the sum of them. And they're not bad thoughts, they're great thoughts. About you. And me. So. Don't. Let the enemy steal from you the idea that God's plans for you are good based on your circumstances. The circumstances are just the tool, the means to shape you and prepare you for the blessing that he already has for you. And blessing brings responsibility. So when you get the blessing, he wants you to keep the blessing. And what I mean by that is if he blesses you with things, he doesn't want the things to become an idol. You see? You see? The children of Israel kept moaning and grumbling as they were going through the the desert in Numbers. And then the Lord said to them, look, I'm going to send serpents. The serpents bit them. And they said, if you look to the bronze serpent, then you'll be healed. Then what happens now is the bronze serpent becomes an idol. The thing that's to set them free. So the Lord wants to bless you with stuff, but he does not want it to become an idol. So you begin to worship it. And think that somehow the blessing of God upon you is because of you. No, <laughs> it's because of God. Read Deuteronomy 8. It says, Look, when the Lord goes, goes, when it all goes well for you and you get into the land and you are blessed and I raise you up and make you a mighty nation. Don't think it's because of the fact that you were great and you were mighty. You were the smallest, you were the least, but I raised you up. Don't forget that. So you see, God has to work in us and put the stuff in us, the foundation in us, so when the blessing comes, it's not, it doesn't bleed away. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Point number two. We need to understand that the enemy tries to kill and destroy our ability to take risks through fear of making a mistake. Let's go to 1 John 4, 18, 19. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with what? Punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. <sighs> if I had a flip chart up here, which I don't, we're not asking for one, just a white flip chart, and I put a dot on the flip chart, and let's say that the whole flip chart, the white bit, is God, and you, his son, and your your trajectory is toward him. And you're wondering when you should go to the left or the right, whatever. And what I feel the Lord said to me was this. If I'm the whole flip chart, whatever decision you're going to make, it's always going to be right. Because even if you go to the left, I'm there. If you go to the right, I'm there. If you go to the bottom, I'm there. And in fact... If we think that the relationship we have with God is about whether we do things right or wrong, we're missing something here. If, and this may not relate to everybody, but some of you understand it, if we relate to God on the basis of our relationships with our earthly fathers, who may have been absent, critical, Insecure, controlling, indulgent, violent, and even passive. This seriously undermines our ability to respond to God with faith and take risks. Because of the fear that we're going to make mistakes, that we're going to be told off. And what this produces, it can produce a multiplicity of things, but it can produce self-doubt our inability to persevere and press through. Drivenness. Now, the drivenness can be seen in in certain ways that look rather impressive. You say, what do you mean? Well, you meet someone who's reached the top of the pile, and what people will say about them is that they are driven. And actually, people applaud them. But you see, friends, drivenness can be rooted back to the fact that we need, a, we have a deep need for affirmation and we may have had a father that never affirmed us only on the basis of performance. And of course it can set us up for addictions. Because what happens is when we, we're not able to get the affirmation, we will seek to self-medicate. Now here's the truth, Friends. The truth is, God, our Heavenly Father, is not a broken parent. He's the Father who Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. And Jesus said this, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, my paraphrase, how much more will your and my Heavenly Father give us the Holy Spirit? In other words, released to us because it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that does the work in us. That's why the enemy spent so much time trying to make sure that the Holy Spirit has no room to move in the church other than to save you and bring you in. He doesn't want you to operate in the gifts. He doesn't want you to, to, as it were, experience his, his love and his mercy. He just wants you to experience salvation and that's it. No, no, no. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it happen and it's activated by faith. Now, if what I've just said there, that's you, and you know that when you come to God, it find it, you really find it difficult. If I use the word Father, you're like, whoa. Then maybe part of your journey now is for you to begin to realize what, that's, what that is, confess it to God, and allow God to work that stuff out of you so that you can begin to trust him and begin to have the confidence that if you step out, and you make a mistake, he's not going to beat you. He's not going to tell you off. He's going to be there. You see, when the prodigal son made a mistake, as he did, and he spent his wealth and you know, wine, women, and so on, it says in Luke 5.20 that the father was looking for him. And when he was a long way off, the father came running to him. The son experienced the sweetness of being received. For many of us, a number of us, we are afraid to actually confess these things. So we think that if we do and we step into the light and we make ourselves vulnerable, we will not be received. That's a lie. I always remember, you know, Eileen and I, we've been married a long time, about 33 years. It's reasonably long. And I remember at a point we were having some challenges in marriage, as one does. And I thought, I need to do something about this. So I plucked up my courage and I rang Linda. (laughs) And said, Linda, you know, I think we're going to need a little help here. You know, I'm really struggling, blah, blah, blah. And And Linda's response was, bless your heart. I thought, what manner of greeting is this? (laughs) Because I wasn't expecting that. Because, you see, the churches I've been to, you didn't tell anybody what was going on in your life. Because if you told the elders, you didn't want to have to go to the elders' meeting and then start to sit down and try to search through your marriage. And you come out there with your head hanging low and you feel shame. And everybody knows you've got problems in your marriage or you're a problem couple and all that stuff. Yeah? And we don't do gossip here. So the reality is, if you come and share your stuff, it stays with us. And even in the pastoral team, we don't know everything that's going on. But it takes courage, because the enemy will keep you in the dark and in the shadows, And the reason why we we encourage connect groups is so that you learn how to walk in the light. Because this is how it works. You see, first you confess your sins to God. That's not a problem, right? But it says if if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness and we have have fellowship with one another. But the other thing it says is confess your sins. That's James 5, 16, to one another that you may be healed. So when you're in connect group and when you've got two or three safe people and you're going through stuff, You've got someone you can share with who will pray for you, and someone you can make your confession to, and someone who will pray over you, and pray with you, and stand with you, and encourage you. And in you doing that, you make yourself accountable. This is how we. This is you know people don't like the term doing life, but the reality this is how the word becomes flesh. Otherwise, people just come to church, enjoy the worship, worship God, have eat donuts, have great fun, and go home. And they live the life of faith vicariously every Sunday. Da, 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 da. Come to church. We experience great preaching, great teaching, great worship. We go home, we eat donuts, and you know, then go home. No. That, that, people do that. But the reality is connect groups is where we actually begin to do the life stuff and start to work through stuff. Okay, I think I've labelled that, so let's move on. <laughs> okay. God's plan is for you, when you come into the light, to experience the sweetness of being embraced. The sweetness of being received. And like that son, the father fell on his neck and they cried on each other. When you come in, you receive love and mercy and grace for your time of need. All right, last point. Bless the Lord. We need to finish today. Okay, we cannot preach the eternal message eternally. right, last point. He undermines our ability to trust him with our, trust him, that's God, with our lives because of past disappointment and failure. Romans 5, 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Good reform theology here, Mark. You like it, yeah? And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint or put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts, not our heads, our hearts, through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, Paul here builds a case that we're justified before God by putting our faith in the finished work that, that Jesus dealt with us, for us, or dealt with on the cross, the finished work where Jesus becomes sin for us. And all the stuff, all our sin is put upon him. And he becomes the sin center of the universe. And God's wrath and anger and dissatisfaction is pacified on him. And by his stripes and through the blood that he shed, we are now in that place where that sin has been dealt with and removed. And now we can come into the presence of God and know not his displeasure, but his pleasure. Instead of dis-ease and a lack of, as it were, concord, we experience concord, peace. Instead of fear and anxiety and worry, because of what Jesus has done, and as Paul puts it in, I think in Colossians he said, He's erased all the stuff that was hostile to us through the cross. And that's the good news. That the cross that Jesus died on for our sin and your sin sets us free as we put our faith. In that work that happened 2,000 years ago, which is still effective now to set men and women like you and me free from the stuff that holds us down. That's the power of the cross. Amen. And if you don't know that today, then you can know that too. So come and speak to us at the end. And by the way, you may have done that. But one of our goals this year is the big baptism. And maybe the next step for you, risk, is to go through the waters of baptism. They say, say baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. So maybe you need to be putting your name, or you should be putting your name down, if you haven't been baptized. Even giving yourself, giving, becoming a follower of Jesus as part of your discipleship step, the big baptism. I think it's what today? What's today? Seventh of December, not to be missed. So it's by faith that we have peace. It's by faith we experience the empowering presence of God. That's grace. The same faith, and here's the point, that you exercise to become a follower of Jesus is the same faith that we need to exercise to bring to the cross those dark shadows of anger and hurt we have against others and God for the things that have happened to us. We bring to the cross the dark shadow of shame and pain that hinders us from stepping up and stepping in to the good work that God has prepared for us. We bring to the cross the dark shadow of past failure and disappointment that we think disqualifies us from taking risks and trust in God with our lives. You see, at the cross, we experience a divine exchange. As we walk into the light, as he is in the light, as we own our stuff, we can by faith, experience the love of God. And you see, friends, you see the challenge of this. We have people, I've met people who have an intellectual understanding of the Bible and like to get at them, you know, and really do the stuff. But the reality is this. To do this stuff, you have to make yourself vulnerable. And some folk don't want to do that because they want to show that they're always on top. Friends, it's not about that. It means that, yes, if you're going to get involved here, yes, at some point, you need to make yourself known and be known. Make yourself known and be known. So we get past the, <laughs> and we get to know who you are mercy. I see Richard looking at me saying, so I, need, I need to finish. <laughs> so, in the divine exchange, we get, as we come to the cross, we get healing for hurts, releasing our fear, rekindling our hope, igniting our love, increasing our faith and renewing our courage. To do that, it takes Risk. Faith. I'll finish with this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Friends, let's stand. Van come, Please. Would you be willing, if you've got kids and you need to get them, just be released, okay? Would you be willing to take the risk to make yourself vulnerable and come out of the shadows and into the light? And let God take the barbs out of your heart that are stopping you from entering into the fullness of what God has for you, to set you free. So you can be released for the good work that God has for you. And he's a good father, friends. He's a good father. He's a father who's tender. He's compassionate. He doesn't reward you and I according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins from us. And he has a plan for your life which is tailor-made. And God's plan is for you to enter it. Satan's plan is to keep you where you are. But... God has given us authority in his name. He sent his Holy Spirit to heal us and release us through the power of the cross. And I would challenge you this morning that if you know that this stuff, by the power of the Spirit, God has talked into your heart, then at the end of the service, come and get prayer and start the journey to freedom and release in his kingdom and service in his kingdom. Father, we bless you and we praise you for your goodness and your graciousness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have a great plan for us. Thank you, Lord, that your plan is that we should fulfill our full potential so that our lives give glory to you. So, Lord, we ask you that you will work in us so that the works of darkness are undone in the name of Jesus and your people are released and set free to be all that you intended them to be. That, Lord, we might walk in the earth as Jesus did, in sweet fellowship with you, in the power of your spirit, bringing healing and release and hope and encouragement to all those who are seeking and searching for you. So, Lord, we pray that risk, your faith will work in our hearts, that we will rise up in the power of your spirit and be and do all that you've called us to be and do in Jesus' name. Amen. PIANO